0: Today, we've got Silas, formerly from Lego, back on the show, and he's going to talk about what he's learned from doing Amazon for one of the largest companies in the world, to running his own private label brand, to now running an agency and all that we can apply to our own businesses. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. How can you get more buyers to leave you Amazon product reviews? by following up with them in a way that's compliant with Amazon Terms of Service. You can use Helium 10 Follow-up in order to automatically send out Amazon's request or review emails to any customers you want. Not just that, but you can specify when they get the message and even filter out people that you don't want to get that message, such as people who have asked for refunds or maybe ones that you gave discounts to. For more information, visit h10.me forward slash follow up. You can sign up for a free account or you can sign up for a platinum plan and get 10% off for life by using the discount code SSP10. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And I here am physically actually in another part of the world. I'm here in Germany in the uh, Avosk headquarters and we are doing an event all day today and Silas here is one of the speakers at the event and he's bit no stranger to the show but this is one of the longest times in between podcasts that we have done. You haven't been on the podcast is what, three and a half years? Three and a half years, yeah. Three and a half years it's been. I've been that that's all uh it's not it's not because of me. I've been trying (laughs) to get him back for Two and a half years, because we you know we usually have people on once once a year. But this man is a hard man to get a, a hold of. Very busy. We're gonna be finding out what he's uh, what he's been doing. But but Silas, th- thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back.
1: Thank you, Bradley. Love the intro, uh, and thanks for having me here again. Uh, I'm glad that we're finding the time. Uh, it did take some time uh, to be back here,
0: uh, but hopefully, it will be worth it. Awesome, awesome. So now, if you guys want to get. Uh, his full backstory uh, originally um, as all the way back in episode 148 of the podcast. But I think people know you from before as like a Lego master, the Lego guy. So what was your your role over there at Lego when you were there?
1: Yeah, I think last time when we spoke, my role was to manage advertising on Amazon uh, across uh, all of North America uh, and uh, Mexico uh, included uh, in that equation. Um, And then after that, uh, it also became Walmart and Target on top of that. Uh, So that was through Walmart's native platform and then through Criteo, uh, where we ran ads on Target. And my responsibility was uh, building the advertising strategy, connecting it to retail, working together with content, making sure that we optimize it from an SEO perspective. Um, And then furthermore, I was doing training, uh, both in Europe and different places in Asia. That was what happened, uh, I would say, uh, in the year after where we met last time.
0: Now, one one thing that's interesting is that, you know, you've been to kind of all sides of the Amazon spectrum. You know, you worked at a huge, you know, billion, multi-billion dollar company, Lego, and you've done private label. Yep. And, you know, now you're on the agency side, you can see multiple people's accounts. Yeah. Talk about a little bit about the private label venture that you yeah, did. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think uh, last time when we spoke, uh, we had just launched uh, the products. It's kind of a vulnerable place to open up this podcast, in all honesty, because we were doing uh, swimwear made out of uh, recycled plastic. Uh, I have a dad who works at Greenpeace. I always wanted to do something like in the in the green space next to my, I would say, corporate job, and also just learn the chops of like starting something uh, from scratch. Um, but that business was uh, gambled away. Literally. Literally. Uh, so I was doing it with a friend of mine, uh, and what happened was that he literally put everything on red. Uh, so one day I logged into our business account, and all the money were, were gone. I think a, a strong lesson for me that doing a brand, uh, if it's on or off Amazon, uh, is much more than just running ads and setting up listings, etc., especially if you do it with a co-founder. Building a business is tough, and there is a lot of things that are uncontrollable, uh, and I think I expected that as long as we were good at Amazon and we had a decent product, that would be enough. But in this case, uh, one of my good friends at that time uh, was yeah addicted to gambling, uh, mm. and after that, he did pay most of the money back, uh, but we did decide to... Uh, to close the, the company down um, simply for for it being not the right start uh, to st- for a for company to be born.
0: And this wasn't just a random, all right, hey, let me white label a, a, a box that, you know, a brown box from uh, Alibaba. I mean, you, you guys put some investment in. I remember, you know, you, you flew to some island to film yeah. your, you were your own influencer. You're running yeah. on the beach with <laughs> no shirt on. I remember, you know, like <laughs> with just the shorts um, I mean, yeah. like, you guys put a lot of money and effort uh, into the startup.
1: 100%, uh, I feel like I'm the kind of guy that when I do something, I have to be fully committed to it. Um, and in this case, um, if I was going to do this next to my corporate job, it had to be a significant investment. So yeah, we flew to the Dominican Republic, uh, okay. shoot the content, did the video, created some nice listings, uh, worked a lot on like product development, etc. Uh, we're off to a good start and then Something like this happened, and I think it's just a testament to building a business is really hard.
0: Now, when you had it going at the beginning, what were some of the differences from the time at Lego? Because Lego is a vendor central 100%. based, and then this was your first maybe entry into kind of like seller central. Yep. What was some of the the major differences that was like a learning curve for you?
1: I think a lot of it was uh, due to product, uh, but also just launch. Uh, so when it, when it came to product, uh, we kind of fucked up the sizes a little bit uh, initially uh, because we designed it. We launched in the US because we thought, why not just go for the biggest market from the start? And in the US, a medium is not a medium. A medium is more like a large, and a large is more like an extra large. So there was a lot of instances where people, they, they liked the product, uh, but they wanted it returned, and then you have to pay for the returns, et cetera. So that was eating up profitability. And then obviously from like an advertising perspective, Uh, you gotta just eat into your profit a lot more uh, than at Lego where you can easily be at a 20% ACOS and run like a, what was at that time the world's largest advertising account uh, and scale that. Um, But here we're talking 50% ACOS uh, because we wanted to try to see if we could scale the business and build up ranks, etc. So there was a much bigger need for investment than what we expected and I think we needed to make big, bigger changes to the product uh, than what we expected initially. Um, so just a lot of things that I think is just testament to like starting a business is is hard um, and have a lot of respect. And that's also why I like working on smaller accounts, also today agency side. Um, it's just watching brand owners uh, find product market fit, uh, make sure that their products are always in stock, uh, etc., get pricing right. There's just so many components that I find fascinating. And that was also a lot of the places that we were struggling with in the start.
0: And interesting, you know, like you coming from Lego, a big brand with huge brand recognition. And so that obviously was a driver for the sales. Now you saw the other side, where which is the ninety nine percent of the world yeah. who start yeah. off from scratch with no, bra- uh, with no brand recognition. Yeah. Well was that eye opening to see how, how yeah. difficult we have we have it out there? I mean, you, you yeah. can launch anything at Lego, and yeah. it, it'll and just crush it. it. It'll just be crushed just because yeah. of the name. But
1: yeah. talk about that. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think um, it was interesting because I think at Lego we did figure some things out in terms of, for example, we like our, our the the percentage of spend on non-brained or unbrained or whatever you call it. At the start when I started it was like 90% unbrained, 10% on unbrained. We reversed that. So uh, when I left it was 10% brained, 90% uh unbrained. So we did make a shift there. Um, so I think the process around like how to do you, like build up like ASIN targeting lists, uh, how to do keyword research, et cetera, a lot of that were like similar to how we did it at Lego. The difference was at Lego we just went like full in on everything. So if we had like keyword lists that we uploaded to like the advertising account, we're talking like (laughs) maximum. I think we even extended, we got Amazon to extend the number of keywords that could be in campaigns. So we could have more than a thousand. So we could like upload like 2000 keywords simultaneously. However, when I started uh, both uh, now agency, but also private label, we actually went in and we started uh, building a methodology where we rank keywords uh, into A, B, C, and D categories based on the number of variables uh, that are in the keyword string. So let's say for example that you had, uh, if we take the Lego example or the swimmer example, if you have just dragon toys, there might be two variables. So that's dragon and toys. However, if it's dragon toys for a four year old boy, there's four and year and then there's boy, there might be five variables in it. So then we say, okay, that is a longer tail keyword. So that is out of a sudden AA keyword because the reality was, we needed to like focus in, also for the swimwear brain, with the money that we have, because out of a sudden, I was used to like free budgets. as long as I could prove incrementality and I could that and I could prove that whatever we were doing were building rank, etc. I had gotten to a place at LeGO where I was just like, okay, you can just spend. Um, as long as it's incremental, where now it's like, okay, out of a sudden, you have maybe 5,000 dollars to spend this month, or t- 1,000. You gotta make sure that you do it on the right keywords that have the right conversion rate, that are driving rank, et cetera. So you had to be a much more selective. Same thing with ASIN tiding. I think last time we spoke, uh, that was like a big heck of mine, but like we used to do just like these massive lists where we would just like launch a thousand ASINs in one campaign and just go like rogue on it and let the bidder decide whether it worked or not. But now all of a sudden we had to actually use some of your tips and tricks about like, what is the right price point? Reviews, ratings, et cetera. So the same thing we did with, with keywords, we start to do with ASINs where we separate them into A, B, C, and D ASINs. And then we okay, the hypothesis is that A, ASINs have certain variables to them that should make them convert better and potentially also be cheaper to like serve an add-on. So the nuances that came into play, were just so different and it's kind of like I had to like go back and watch A lot of the stuff that i'd watched initially with lego from a different point of view but it was a lot of the same methodologies and strategies that could be reapplied i just had to do everything more granular uh which is yeah it's just interesting
0: that's something interesting i wanted to touch on because yes there there are some differences between vendor and seller and and also when you're talking about a billion dollar brand with a brand new brand yeah but there's probably more similarities than differences. What yep. a lot of people don't realize, you know, like when you were at Lego, it was so funny. Boyan was making a joke, you know, you didn't have like, uh, we didn't even have enterprise plans in those days. Yeah. You, Lego was using the same, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. diamond plan yeah. that, that everybody was using. And, and you talked about the um, ASIN, you know, your ASIN targeting strategy. I remember you, on the episode you talked about, you would use ASIN grabber yep. in Helium 10, which is a tool that probably 95% of you guys, maybe, is not in your daily use because yeah. that's like you know you might not even know what is asin grabber it's in the chrome extension how how are you using in grabber for lego and to show be like hey guys yeah. my point is if lego can use it it's probably something that you guys should be using
1: yeah i think i can use it uh in like any example it, when it was with the swimwear for example we had a uh, we had a black uh we had a pair of swim trunks that were black so then what we would gu- do is that we would go in on Amazon, we would search, okay, black sh- swim trunks. And then we would literally scrape manually, like page one, two, three, four. Um, and then we would scrape all the ASINs, put them into our what we call our ASIN targeting tool. And in there, we would say, okay, these are the ones that we've scraped, they're all black. And then based on that, we would then categorize them into A, B, C, and D A, ASINs. And then we would basically launch them in ads. The same thing at Lego, we would go dragon toys or Harry Potter toys, et cetera. And then we would scrape everything on those first four pages uh, that was related to that. Now we're also using black box, et cetera, because we have found like smarter ways to do it where you can base it, be, where you do it based on a keyword string. And then you can use black box to get all the ASINs out. Um, we've also unlocked like an Easter egg with you guys through Cerebro where we can upload like multiple ASINs and, and we can get all their keywords. So like we're, we're expanding uh, on a lot of the stuff that we, we did But it's just the same it's just with more granularity it's the same tools it's the same setup we last time we talked a lot about like my principle about discovering winning algorithms so finding things that work and then uh, you gotta basically ignite the courage to pursue them Uh, that's what i think a lot about when i when i do stuff is like is there something that's repetitive can i do it again and again and again and again then it's a growth engine and then i'll just hone in on that and then maybe I need to twist it a little bit. And I think that's that's primarily what I've been doing since then is, is twisting it based on, on the audience and the product, et cetera.
0: Now you don't have to be as big a brand as Lego to have a good brand awareness. You know, there's a lot of people who maybe start off of Amazon and then come on yep. Amazon and, and they have brand awareness where there's a lot of brand searching. You know, and you, you can find that in Helium 10, like, hey, is, is somebody searching for my yeah. brand? So speak, going back to the Lego side, talk about a company that is already dominating a certain brand. Like, you know, you just launched something and and you're going to get sales from Mm -hmm. people having search keywords like branded search, you know, Lego for five-year-old, Lego for boys, Lego for girls, Lego, Star Wars, Lego, whatever. But as you said, you know, you, you mentioned Dragon toys. Yep. You know that's a very that's a generic keyword, and that's where that's how you grow a business, yep. grow a brand is getting new customers 100%. who aren't searching for your brand. So talk about the strategy, whether it's Lego or whether it's a somebody who's just got a lot of brand awareness. What is your strategy for finding those terms that's non branded so you can grow your business?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a it's a lovely uh, it's a lovely question. Um, we've built a keyword research tool that sits on top of uh, Helium ten. Um, so what we do there is that uh, we manually use magnet and we just scrape based on seed keywords. In this case, for example, we have, uh, we have a client that, sa- that sells sunglasses, right? Uh, so then it would be sunglasses for men, for women, could be black, blue, et cetera. We just put, put as many uh, keywords as we can into Magnet. And then we just export all of those keywords into our tool. Uh, it's built in, in Google uh, Sheets. Everyone can build something like this. We do the same thing with Cerebro. We take all the keywords, all our competitors that are bestsellers. we take all their keywords, we put them into the same sheet. We take all the advertising data. Um, we put that into the tool too. And then what we do is that uh, we use a combination of like just manual hands uh, and then chat GPT to go in and basically remove all the keywords that are, I would say, obsolete. They're not relevant because there is still like when you do a magnet ser- search on like sunglasses for men or women, there's a lot of shit in there. Let's be honest, like there's a lot of things that are irrelevant. So what we do then is that the tools like slowly learns about, okay, what are, th- what are the, words that it should not include. And then it goes and looks at the existing keyword research across Magnet, Cerebro, etc., And then it flags hey, this keyword should not be in there. It could be like cheap, for example, if the word is cheap cheap, there, it looks through the entire list and removes it. It could be the word pink. If you don't have pink sunglasses, removes that. Um, and then we basically just do this and we probably start with like 150,000, 100,000 keywords. Uh, and then slowly we narrow down and then maybe we end at like, 5,000, 10,000 unbranded keywords. Uh, and then what we do then is that, then we start looking through those keywords. What is an A, what is a B, what is a C, what is a D keyword from Cerebro, from Magnet. Uh, I know that I'm a little bit behind, but like I probably like some of the Amazon data sources now are also valid uh, besides like our own advertising data. Uh, so that piece should be included in there. But then what we do then is that every three months we will go in and we will say, okay, based on organic and paid visibility using Cerebro for our own products. We'll take all that data in there, we'll classify that, we'll refresh magnet, ref- re- refresh Cerebro. And then that un- unbranded non-brand universe just grows. And I think that's how you build a business. Like I was talking to Kara like a second ago and I was talking about, okay, like what's the percentage of uh, off-brand versus non-brand or unbrained spend in your account She was like majority brand. And I was like, that's not how it's supposed to be because then you're not growing your business. Like, it's simple for an agency, honestly, to claim that you're doing well by just capturing someone's brand terms. But the reality is, like, it's the seller or Lego as a brand, et cetera, that has worked hard to gain that. That could be because of a TV show you're doing if you're Lego, et cetera. It's nothing to do with what the agency is doing. Then there's certain things about what you do with the brand volume that I think is interesting. You can use branded search to boost new products, new novelty. You can use it to drive up your ASP, your average selling price. uh, So there's a lot of things that you can do. You can even use where you target certain new products on your brand terms. And then you use basically paid ads to merchandise your shelf to make sure that it's your newer products that are on top uh, when you're launching new products, et cetera. So there's something like I've been a very... I've been very negative about brand, branded search, but I can also see like, I think you get older and you get wiser. It does play a part. Yeah, uh, It just shouldn't be all geared towards your bestseller
0: product, like that makes no sense. All right, we're, we're gonna get back into strategy, but let, yeah. let, let's switch gears now. You know, um, I, I talk a lot about, about, you know, health and things like that yeah. uh, due to my health issues. And, and it's important as entrepreneurs that, yeah. you know, we're mindful of mental health, physical yeah. health, and the first thing, you know, something I always make fun of you on, you know, when I look at your Instagram, yeah, like every morning you're jumping into a frozen lake, sometimes naked. <laughs> uh, I don't know how they allow that on Instagram, but talk about that because that just yeah. that just to me, like, you know, you're not doing that because somebody's paying you uh, to no. do that. Uh, I'm assuming there's some kind of health <laughs> benefits. Wh- when did you start doing that? Why and yeah. what what's the benefit from it? A hundred percent. It's going to
1: get dark before it gets positive on this one. When, so during COVID, I was living in the US, uh, I was sitting in the commercial role, I was having a lot of fun, but I also missed home. uh, Because I had three years in more or less isolation in a country where uh, I'm not from. Um, So I decided to take a a global role where I was head of e-commerce training uh, for Lego um, in a time where you couldn't really travel that much. And at the same time, uh, I had a couple of family members uh, really close that were dealing with uh, anxiety and ADHD uh, while I moved home uh, and then I was also doing a, a leadership leadership education at Harvard uh, a one-year program uh, so there was a lot on my plate um, and I wasn't really happy with where I was at um, in my career um, it was it looked good on paper but I just wasn't fulfilled mm-hmm. I was missing the community uh, the commercial aspects I was missing being hands-on with Amazon. Um, So you're supposed to be at Harvard, or you were at Harvard twice uh, in school during the year. And the first time I was there, I I got a legit panic attack uh, for the first time in my life. So I think I'd been spending a lot of time being there for everyone else than myself. And that turned into a depression. Uh, So I went on on sick leave and i said okay i gotta do things that are good for me right now yep. um first one was cold plunges super good for your nervous system uh jumping in the water it stresses you out uh combined with like sauna relaxes you um started meditating uh, you know that i've recently been to a 10-day silent retreat in thailand um
0: where well, you couldn't speak at all for couldn't speak ten, at for all the for, the for the 10 days,
1: days. Wow. um So I was doing all these things for myself uh, to get myself back on feet. I still finished at Harvard, uh, but family was main priority, still being there for them while being able to be there for them, which worked out great for everyone, thank God. Um, But just a super dark place allowed me to go in and reevaluate what are all the things that I can do for myself uh, to make me better. Because I think I was just so surprised of like, I was so strong like physically and I was having a career that was like, on the uprise, but like mentally, I'd never really worked on that aspect. Mm-hmm. And I just realized that I, um, I needed to uh, I needed to do more uh, when it came to that. So I started seeing a psychiatrist too, we've talked about that. Great value there. Uh, I would say I've never been better, but I'm still doing it because it's just the best uh, place in the world. At the agency, everyone has access every month to a psychiatrist. Yeah. So that's, just a, that's a, just a prerequisite, that if you want it, you should get it. Like a coach, I think it has some stigma to it, but you know what, when your head is clear, you just make better decisions, uh, also from a business perspective. Uh, so yeah, long story, man. Uh, and it's uh, it's a little scary to like reflect back on. Um, but taking that time was also what opened up uh, the opportunity for me starting Copenhagen Commerce, which is our, our agency, um, together with Rasmus.
0: Uh, it's important. I hope you guys have some takeaways there too, because on paper, you might think, man, I would kill to be like, have a high up job in a dream company like Lego um which probably you know a lot of people from Denmark uh, it probably is a dream you know when, when your kid like oh that would be amazing to work at Lego I mean anywhere in the world you'd yep. want to do that but don't you know or maybe it's a dream job that your family had for you yep. or or maybe it's a, a dream brand but at the end of the day you know your personal health your mental health yep. is important and if you don't find fulfillment yep. don't let the definition of dream job or or the definition of other people like, oh man, everybody's going to make yeah. fun of me if I leave this because it just wouldn't make sense to a lot of people. No, you got to do you first. That's what yeah. Silas did. And now he's in a, now he's in a good place. Now yeah. that kind of brings us to, you know, when you, after you left Lego, then you started your own agency. Now yeah. there's an interesting story, right? Yeah. About how you, that has to actually do with this podcast. Yeah. From what I hear, I haven't heard the whole no. details yet, but <laughs> I wanted to hear it first, just like with you guys. How did you end up uh, you know, uh, partnering with somebody and deciding to start the Amazon agency?
1: I took time off uh, and I was uh, working out, doing the cold, cold plunge thing, uh, turned vegetarian. That's another story. Like, and I just slowly started feeling better and better and I could feel my energy come back. Um, and then uh, this guy called Rasmus Dines, who is now my, my co-founder, uh, he reached out to me. Uh, and he'd reached out to me also a year earlier, and then he reached out again, super persistent, uh, because he'd listened to me on the Serious Seller podcast, uh, and he was like, "Do you want to go for uh, for a coffee?" And I was like, "Yeah, we can go for a coffee." And I just started out having super open, honest uh, discussion with him. I'm like, "I've been in a bad place. I don't want to work so much right now. I'm building myself up. We can start working together one day a week on one brand. That turned into two day a weeks. That turned into three days." Now we're working together four days a week. And I think it's important to for me to note here, we have a four day work week. I'm never going to work five days a week in my life again because the efficiency uh, I have right now and effectiveness uh, when I make decisions is just on a, on a different level. So that is the ambition with everything that we do. And then we just got to automate our way to be able to scale. Because uh, I think you can do that nowadays with everything that's happening with technology. Um, but yeah, we, we met through you. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, I actually brought a, I brought a little present here. oh, what's uh, going on here? Um, so uh, this here is, uh it's a Lego set, of course. Uh, I love we have to it. start where we ended. Uh, it's called the Tranquil Garden, uh, because this is it. what I want for you. I want Thanks. you to uh, look at this and this be your Tranquil Garden so that every time when you're stressed, I know you work a lot, yeah. uh, you fly a lot. You build this set and then uh, hopefully you sit down uh, take a breath, maybe meditate a little bit, uh, but that it becomes a reminder for you also in your everyday life, because you do so much for so many other people um, that I think hopefully this
0: becomes a reminder to do something for
1: yourself and your family.
0: That's awesome, guys. This is going to go once I make it into the background of my my podcast which is my studio where I work. Yeah. So this is uh, going to be a good... Re- and it's like, yeah, I got the Japanese theme, the yeah, cherry exactly. blossoms and, and everything. I love it. Thank you so
1: much. You're welcome. I really appreciate You're that. Welcome. It's really from me and Rasmus, of course, because, uh, yeah, it's a gift for both of us for, awesome. for bringing us together. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we have... Shared, shared passion for
0: Japan, right? Futures podcast guests. You want to get on my good side? Bring gifts. <laughs> first first person to bring a gift on the podcast. I love it. All right. All right. Let's get back to the, the strategy uh, as we close the, this out now. Yep. Um, now you've been on the, the vendor side. You've been on the private label side. Yep. Um, now you're on the agency side and you get to you know see multiple accounts and see things that work and don't work. Um, what are some of the strategies that you guys are doing that you think are, you know, somewhat unique? You know, something, maybe a couple of strategies that, that you've, you know, through trial and error yep. um, work for you and that you think maybe our listeners can benefit from.
1: Yeah, we're sitting at a conference and I just had a conversation with two sellers out there uh, who were both, I don't want to say, a little bit complaining about the size of their catalogs, that they had so many SKUs, right, in their catalog. Um, And one of the things that I recommend to every time that we have a new client or meet someone is to narrow in on fewer SKUs. It sounds quite simple, right? But uh, what we do every time is that if you have a big catalog, A, B, C, and D products. And then A products, they get a special treatment compared to B, C, and D. It could even be if your catalog is massive, you only focus your ad spend on A products. Same thing with, from a content perspective, those are the ones that get the most love in terms of title, bullet point, backend attributes, et cetera, descriptions. Uh, So it's just having that focus on fewer products, I think is number one. Um, Then if you can automate your reporting, we have that uh, in Looker automated so that you don't have to like necessarily sit and look at the data and pull Excel spreadsheets, et cetera. It just saves you so much time if you're capable of doing it and spending time on it. Um, then I think, thirdly, we talked a little bit about it, but I think doing, taking the time to do super solid keyword research from the get-go, like get into Magnet, get into Amazon's data sources, get into Cerebro, look for all your competitors' keywords, et cetera, understand what those A keywords are, and those A keywords are the only thing that you focus on in the start. Those are the ones that go into your rank campaigns, they go into your manual campaigns, uh, et cetera. Uh, and that those are the ones that just like where you track everything through. Like a little hack could be for your A products. Uh, <laughs> every week you Repro. every other week, you put in your A product and then you export all the data for that. You take a spreadsheet uh, in column A you say this is the date when I pulled the. This is the date that I pulled the data. This is the ASIN you put in the ASIN that you pulled the data for. Uh, then you make a formula. You can just ask ChatGPT where based on the paid and organic rank, you say whether you classified uh, the keyword as being on page one, two, three, or four. And then you pull this data in this way uh, every single week for maybe two months when you're running a new test or something like that. You take all the data, you put it into a pivot table and boom, then you would have an overview and a graph of how many, like your, all your page page one, two, three, four positions across your entire catalog. And you could even put a filter on up in the top and then you can sort by ASIN. And then you basically have your own visibility tool where you can see your paid on your organic visibility on a weekly level at an Asian level, and you can use that to take th- all those keywords. If you're ranking, uh, let's say page three or two or something like that, put them into a rank campaign if you feel like they're good. You can take all the keywords where you're on page two, maybe put them in the title, et cetera. So like building those systems uh, that allows you to scale something consistently. Um, and then, I mean, finally take care of yourself. I mean, that that's the biggest one for me. It's like when you're mentally in a good place, there are like no limits to what you can do. And I often see this like grind mentality, where it's like people, they work all the time, 24 seven, et cetera. And that becomes like a badge of honor. You know what? It's really cool if you can build something, if you work four days a week. And at uh, the moment when you put that constraint on yourself, you will think differently about your time. Cause like, that's just the thing. If you allocate time, you will spend that time. I've spent enough time in corporate, in meetings, et cetera. Uh, just spending time on things, just because you're there for like 40, 50 hours, and then if you have forty or fifty hours, you're going to spend forty or fifty hours. And I think that's also uh, Rasmus and I like we want to build something that's like sustainable for ourselves and our families one day, right? Um, so yeah, that's awesome. probably some of the strategies.
0: Love it, love it. A lot of value here. Now, um, you know, you've talked about using a lot of different Helium ten tools. You know, be a Chrome extension, Cerebro, yep. Magnet, Black Box. I think we've all mentioned yep. or uh, here in this episode. If you were to pick one tool, which is your favorite, that you think brings you or your clients the most value, yeah. which tool is it and why did you choose it? Like, why is it so yeah. valuable to you?
1: I love Cerebro. It's just my tool. I feel like Magnet is really cool, but like the, when you do keyword research, it's just like all over the place and you need to like do so much manual cleaning of the data uh, that you have to build something yourself. Whereas Cerebro, um, that is literally like putting in a product that you define uh, that is relevant so you can do keyword research with it. We can also do what we just talked about before which is tracking organic and paid visibility. Um, you can just use that tool for so many things and it's quite simple. Like it's really simple. I'm sure that there are other tools out there where it's like Bradley should go and teach me about tool X, Y and Z but that tool has just been like a day one for me and it's mm. it's just a it's it's also just it does a lot of the things that we just needed to do and it just does it consistently and then we have unlocked like this Easter egg is kind of like hidden, I probably shouldn't say it, but where you can put in like multiple asins at the same time uh, of like competitors through Helium 10. Um, so we can put in like 100 uh, competitor skews and get all their keywords. And then we can use that as like the the point of departure for keyword research, which is just so powerful, right? Uh, so yeah, love that tool.
0: Love it. Well, Silas, thank you so much for joining. Um, You're a your perfect example of why I always preach to people to network at events, yep. you know how I met Silas was not, uh, you know, through Helium 10 per se, like you know, like on a chat or something like that. We were at a Helium 10 social uh, at a conference, and we had like a little party. Yep. You know, he came up to me, we just hit it off, and that was like back in 2019, and now we've we've been close contacts ever yeah. since. So go to conferences, guys. Go out of your comfort zone, meet people, build your professional network. And you can have like lifelong friendships yep. who bring you Lego gifts uh, across the world uh, as well. So thank you Silas for coming on and and let's make sure that it doesn't take three and a half years for yep. your next uh, episode to come I out. I
1: promise, I promise. It was so nice to be here.
0: Love it.